What is up, everyone? Welcome back to TMT Time. I am your host, Evan Rothstein. Today, we have two very special guests, kind of secretive guests, guests that are focused on cybersecurity, cross with the intelligence community. So I may be seriously censored for this particular podcast. I am welcoming in the co-founders of Cybersecurity Firm, Jerry Sussman and Ted Chiodo of Langley Cyber. Jerry, Ted, welcome into TMT Time. Thanks, Evan. It's great to be here. So, Ted, uh, since you jumped in first, I'm going to put you in the hot seat first to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about what Langley Cyber is, who you are, how you came to work in this uh, cybersecurity cross with the intelligence community field. Great. Well, you know, listen, uh, I started my career in in politics. I never thought I'd get into the cybersecurity uh, sphere. Um, But, you know, there I I led a, a really... Um, pretty long and varied uh, career. I, uh, you know, was involved in a couple of presidentials, um, Kerry for president, Obama for America. Um, and eventually I wound up in the Obama administration uh, as uh, working in the staff secretary's office. I eventually rose to be deputy staff secretary um, in the uh, second term. Uh, there I basically, you know, controlled the paper flow uh, to and from uh, the president, as well as you know, the decision-making process on paper. Um, I got involved in a lot of sort of operational security that you would, that uh, one would uh, think is obvious if you're handling that type of information. Um, So eventually I left and I became uh, the COO of uh, a, um, probably the nation's leading political and public affairs firm on the progressive side called SKDK. Um, There I oversaw infrastructure, um, IT hiring, um, you know, the op- day-to-day operations of the firm. And what I saw there was a, a rising uh, threat of cyber attacks, uh, the same type of attacks I saw handling, uh, um, you know, sort of the uh, president's paperwork uh, information I saw at a sort of uh, just somewhere you wouldn't think of it, a political affairs consulting advertising firm. Uh, so that's, you know, trying out, trying to figure out how to defend that, those attacks is sort of how I met Jerry. All right, Jerry, that's your cue. What's your role in this? All right. A uh, little background. Uh, 1984, uh, joined the uh, CIA um, as a uh, technologist. I was assigned to the National Reconnaissance Office. And way back in the 1980s, you couldn't even use those initials. Um and then after that, moved over to the um, uh, something called IOC, Information Ops Center, um, where a lot of um, uh, unique uh, cyber uh, activities went on. Uh, so basically, uh, I was a lab rat on the front lines of the cyber wars, is, is the way I would put it. Um, obviously, I have to stick to a certain bio that was approved by the, uh, uh, the leadership of the agency, but that's pretty much it. Um, is, then, is it fair to say, like, you're not James Bond, you're more Q? No comment. I had a great, great, rewarding, uh, sometimes fun, sometimes a little scary career at the agency. I recommend it for, for 
anyone interested in technology or some of the other obvious uh, career fields. Um, I really had a good time. Uh, and then, you know, what does a guy do after, you know, being on the front lines of the cyber wars? Well, you use those um, skills and instincts that you naturally develop on your own being in there uh, to help defend clients and, uh, uh, and, the country, and the people in the country or globally. And that's been really rewarding too, uh, especially since you get to meet the clients actually in person, uh, you know, in the commercial world. So, so basically you can confirm you worked at the CIA for a period of time doing something related to technology. And you've now been able to take that partner with Ted who saw cyber attacks, I suppose, on the information being, you know, threaded in and out of the Obama White House. Um, and the two of you have combined now to form a company that focuses on the private sector and protecting information against these types of attacks on the private sector. And it's called Langley Cyber, right? Yep. And yes. and and specifically, um, you know, we're open to the entire private sector, but what we're really focused on sort of the immediate term is the uh, political uh, ecosphere. Um, because, listen, um, you know, uh, I'll leave attribution up to others, but there has been a rise in, um, in attacks, whether they be from nation state, whether they've been from criminal um, um, organizations, uh, whether they be from hacktivists. Um, you name it, the space is seen, and I think the marketplace writ large is seeing a, uh, a massive increase in these threats over time. Everything from, you know, your run of the mill, uh, hey, I need your credit card because you've, uh, uh, you've won the lottery, uh, to, hey, um, we really need to um, um, get some information, some confidential information uh, that's unique to your organization uh, and then use it against you in, in sort of a, uh, a posting what you thought was private um, in a public manner. So we've seen these th threats increase exponentially uh, and we've seen the attacks increase exponentially. Um, and at a certain point in time, you can either sit back and say, hey, I've built a pretty strong fence here and, uh, you know, uh, I think I have some knowledge here that can help, or you can get in there and help um, because it's um, it's not going away and there's really no silver bullet. If that's the one key I could tell everyone uh, that is listening to this podcast is, you know, uh, there's no one thing that's going to save you. Um, and thinking about uh, your security uh, footprint holistically is very, very important. All right, so let's let's do like a test case because I think that may be the best way to sort of describe what what you guys do at Langley Cyber. So, if I, I saw that you guys are focused on like campaigns security, so take um, we're recording this in the day after of the uh, sort of midterm off term elections, and everybody paid attention to the state of Virginia for reasons that I don't really understand, but maybe it's a bellwether, maybe it's not. So if if a a campaign or a candidate thinks that she or he is is being surveilled or is under potential cyber attacks to try and get information out. And we can look, you know, trace this all the way back to Watergate. But if they retain Langley Cyber, what are the things that you're looking for? What are you doing for the campaign? How do you help them, you know, as you just said, Ted, build up the fences? 
Well, yeah, was what we would originally uh, do, and I think that what we offer to the um, marketplace that's unique is we bring a combination of two expertise. You know, the expertise of of experience in politics and the expertise um, um, with the experience of offensive capabilities um, um, f- um, from the intelligence community. So before I get into it, I, you know, I have to say this caveat all the time. Uh, we're an ethical organization. We do not hack. We'll never hack. Uh, we're purely defensive. Um, that's very mission critical for us. Uh, but to get to your answer, Evan, what we would do Wait, did, is... Is that because you use the word offensive? And so... Yeah, well, yes, us, yeah. It, it, it is. Um, it is. And it's like we've seen a proliferation uh, sometimes uh, of folks with offensive experience going out in the marketplace. And it, it's something um, that I think it needs to draw a distinction um, where uh, where Langley Cyber is. We're, we're purely on the defensive uh, side of the ball here. And what we would do would be work with um, existing infrastructure at the campaigns or, or if they're building it up from zero and give them that sort of expertise, how to build their networks, um, how to integrate tools, um, and then threat assessments, very, very um, commercially available um, um, security software is great, um, but it really doesn't give you any sort of insight into, um, into what you're facing unless you get sort of outside of the means of most campaigns, right? They're, they're working on very small budgets and, and they want to spend most of their budget um, getting folks elected, whether that be getting the vote out, whether that be advertising about um, um, their campaign's message. So we have a limited budget to do a lot with, right? So we not only will um, uh, give them expertise on how to set up their um, system, but we'll offer them um, help in analyzing any attacks that may come in. Um, so we do a step further where, you know, you're off the shelf tools that'll block it and it'll just say, we delete it, we blocked it. Um, you know, with Jerry's expertise, what we're able to do is analyze those threats, uh, look at where their sources are coming from, um, and then give, give our clients a better understanding of, is this something that is a run-of-the-mill attack? Or is this something you should be more concerned uh, concerned with? The good thing is we've sort of seen all of it, um, and Jerry can tell you that he's seen all of it. Uh, so we can. I'm not even sure that's his real name now that we're, we're talking about it. So, <laughs> so, so, so Jerry, air quotes. Uh, what, based on your experience at the CIA or not, um, when you see these attacks and you see you know you know DOD you know denial of service or where whatever DDoS attacks or whatever. Are you able to come in and sort of provide feedback to the client like this is a nation state? This is uh, what you said earlier, Ted, a hacktivist, or this is the type of information that these folks are trying to get, and here's what they would do with it, and here's what we can where we can help you. So you, you weigh in on that, so-called Jerry? Well, I, I, something I want to jump in, what makes Langley Cyber, I think, extremely unique. I haven't really seen it out there. Uh, since I've been consulting for years now. And that is, um, we approach this with a unique frame of mind in terms of the crew's background. So you can have um, a technologist that grow up purely defending a network, learning how to defend a network in college and then in the workplace and apprentice that way. Um, we have uh, uh, 
very real life different experiences. So we can look at a network and have an instinct in terms of, well, how would someone else attack this network? And then, um, you know, hopefully mitigate it if we're engaged before there's any an incident. And so that's a different perspective. It's a different look uh, when we're looking at a network, when we're exploring it from the outside. And then, um, yes, if an incident does happen and uh, all of a sudden we're finding malware in there, um, most of us have experienced reverse engineering and you know each, each piece of malware has a personality in terms of how the author or the author's organization um, use their craft to pull together a, a working piece of malware. And by the way, most malware, it'll crash your machine. It doesn't work. It's 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 a mature, almost elegant malware that actually does work. That actually does achieve um, a, a ransomware incident or something like that. Um, and and, and the ahead. one thing I would say, Jerry, to that is like, you know. Uh, uh, a lot of organizations need expertise where you can say, hey, this is just sort of your run of the mill, you know, um, uh, credit card fraud or, um, you know, gift certificate. Hey, please buy me gift certificate fraud. Right. And it, it varies widely. And I would I would think every organization out there, whether it be a campaign, whether it be, you know, a hospital group, uh, whether it be a law firm are going to get a range um, of attacks. And the the missing piece that I think Langley Cyber is going to fill is some of that um, empirical knowledge of who's knocking on the door of what, what is this malware actually trying to accomplish? And then you can build your defenses around um, basically your risk. So not everyone, you know, just as everyone at their home doesn't, doesn't live in a neighborhood um, that you, you need uh, a fence, right? You don't need, a, some people don't need a, uh, a security camera. They don't need a safe, right? But other people may. Um, and I think we, the more we look at cybersecurity from that um, um, sort of real world practicality, the more it is. Because what we found um, is there's a over reliance on uh, on some tactics that are that are extremely helpful, and I think people should continue to do it. Like we already have two factor authentication turned on, or we're already using a secure encrypted two way messaging, whether that be WIC or Signal, whatever it is, right? Um, but but then uh, you ask these uh, folks a, a, a follow up question, like, "Hey, um, have you ever configured your home router?" Uh, away from uh, the <laughs> the settings that came out of the box when Comcast set it up, um, we we <laughs> if we and I'm, I'm thankfully I'm going to answer no. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, actually, so yes, Evan, I have. I actually have. Okay, I have good. changed mine, so mine are good. Uh, and it's not no, admin password. Yeah, so it is not <laughs> admin password. No, and people, let's be clear. Nobody's trying to get into my network to take my sweet. TMT time podcasts, um, <laughs> or the, the amount of money that I, you know, spend on travel or nonsense. Um, so I have a question for you guys, cause this has been burning in my mind. So who, who are you seeing? Like who's doing the attacks lately? Is it like, you know, the boogeyman 
the Russian boogeyman? Um, is it, you know, hacktivists? Is it just a wide array of people? Where are they coming from? And then what are they really going after now? Because obviously we're familiar with like, hi, I'm a Nigerian prince, send me $40,000 or you have $50,000 waiting in this bank account. All you have to do is send me all of your information and social security number to claim it. I mean, that's run of the mill stuff. I want to know about like what you guys are seeing day to day on the ground with clients, who, who they are, what they're going after and, and maybe get your anecdotal thoughts on why. I, I, we can't dive into really the, the who um, we see the who we see, we see them, we see the, um, uh, the folks that you would expect. Uh, we, we do see their personalities very quickly and their signatures of the malware. But I will say that, I'd say in the last four or five years, the, there's a tremendous evil uh, increase in the evilness of the originators. They are really going after, um, uh, they're using our personal data at a far more extreme level than ever before. Um, you know, between medical data and grabbing videos off of people's iPhones and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and also just preying upon, you know, simple social engineering vectors preying upon a company's uh gee we're approaching the holidays so there's a social engineering vector which is spoofing the boss saying hey could you go out and buy seven hundred dollars worth of uh, itunes cards um don't don't text me my cell phone's not working well here that type of thing and all of a sudden someone who's maybe a new employee suddenly has just given up $700 thinking that it's to help their supervisor or their colleagues. You know, it's that type of, of evilness. And, and we're all. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think we've seen, so the answer to your question, Evan, is all of the above. So we've yeah. seen those things. I think Jerry, you know, if you could, uh, one of the interesting and most sophisticated attacks we saw, I think is, is, uh, Jerry, you can talk about the Amtrak um, incident, uh, uh, where it's not Amtrak specifically, but Jerry, I'll let you talk about this one because I think it'll it'll give you a sense, Evan, of sort of the unsophisticated we, ones we just talked about, which is a volume play, to some really, really sophisticated attacks. Uh, so this yeah, is good because this was really approaching the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about fight club um, and i really want to i really want to talk about fight club badly um, so whatever you can give us person formerly known as jerry okay uh, you know this is in the column of we're all vulnerable and uh this this happened to me personally and also this is how i reacted to it um uh, i go between uh, uh new york city and dc all the time i i love amtrak and uh and i also always follow my rule to never use a public Wi-Fi, except when I was stuck on an Amtrak and I had to send a document out. It was it was innocuous. It wasn't sensitive or anything like that. And wait, so, wait, wait. Does United Airlines Wi-Fi count as that? You know, when you're at thirty thousand feet and you're using the same Wi-Fi as everyone else in the plane, you know, you're you're stuck in this tin can. Yes, you're all sharing that. See, this is I knew that um, I use. If I lose my mind when I can't get on the United Wi-Fi and you're telling me that I should objectively not use it. I also do not use most public Wi-Fis, but if United fits in there, since I fly United all the time out of Denver, that's bad for me. First of all, I love United Airlines. It's who I use, uh, but for any airline, yeah, when you're in an enclosed space, just like in a hotel, 
you go into a hotel. Uh, let me guess, you have an iPhone and your iPhone's name is your maybe phone. iPhone? <laughs> Evan's <laughs> iPhone. I think it's Evan's iPhone Max 13 Pro. Because <laughs> okay. well, that's got a little better one. because you don't have your full, you know, you don't have your social security number. You yeah, have Evan Rothstein's social security okay. number and place of residence is. Yeah. You know, if you're a um, uh, principal on a campaign and your iPhone is set that way and you walk in a hotel and then you go up to the fourth floor of the hotel, any hacker knows, all right, he's using the fourth floor uh, Wi-Fi for the hotel. Don't do not do that. So that, that, that's just some things, some safety things. But for what was happening to me, I was just on an Amtrak going between New York and D.C. Of course, most people around you are um, uh, doing paying bills, logging on to their bank and stuff like that. Well, guess what? There was a hacker on my cab in my train. Um who was uh, clearly going around connecting or trying to uh, connect into uh, laptops of people on the train that used the Wi-Fi. So I'm just how could you how did you figure that out? That's kind of cool, well, but also scary. So on my laptop, um, I'm running. Uh, I, I, I use uh, VMware, so I have a number of different instances, and all of a sudden I can see that someone's scanning like every port on my laptop so that's only going to happen if a hacker is trying to scan me you know trying to break in so, so do you, wait a minute do you involve the authorities here do you actually like i tried to i was being a very good citizen and we have cyber attorneys that help us so i know the laws and so as soon as i realized and this guy was being annoying i'm trying to use the wi-fi i've got to get something to a client so finally i just called the conductor over i said look there's a hacker on board. So he's trying to get into my laptop. Um, I'm going to allow him in, and then I'm going to send him back a personalized text message from me, along with a whole bunch of ASCII bell um, symbols. So whoever's laptop in this cab starts beeping, that's a hacker that's trying to hack everyone. Please oh, call. This is please. cool. See, this is cool. All right, keep going. Sorry. But, I mean, by the way, this is not high tech. This is very, very simple. Yeah, this is cool, though. This may be the coolest story on TMT time thus far. So keep going. So anyway, uh, so I, I I sent him a personalized message from me to him asking him to um, not so politely stop. And then a whole bunch of bell signals. So the only way he's going to be, he's, I figured he'd panic. But um, uh, so I called the conductor over. The first thing I heard from the conductor was, well, is that legal for you to allow? <laughs> You know, like, no, 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 no. He technically he is trying to get hack into my laptop. I'm just allowing him in a little virtual VMware instance. And so I let him in. I did it. And sure enough, about five rows up, this guy's laptop is is binging away. You know, wow. um, um he couldn't stop it for some reason, which really would have been simple, but he finally just slammed his laptop shut. Wait, you didn't you didn't like get stand up and out him, point at him and say to. hacker. I, I he didn't know who I was physically, but now I know who he is because oh, his laptop bell's going off. Wow! <laughs> right? So you know, I'm not going to give up who I am. But the conductor kind of starts to panic, and I'd asked him to call local law enforcement because and have them come on at the next stop, and. Um, you know, I mean, I'm just private sit, but but this is what wait, wait, did, did wait, did this guy get why didn't you like follow him? 
after you got off the train to find out if he was part of the shadow organization. I'm just trying to get to New York. Look, I read a lot of spy novels. Ted, earlier you talked about the the, the uh, service called Signal. I don't think yep. any of our listeners know what Signal is. Um, so uh, I do because I read spy novels and now I have it. I also have um, Proton Mail for everything, basically, because I read spy novels. What? So, Jerry, going back to this this example, so he this hacker did not get picked up by the authorities. Well, he at the, you know how you get closer to New York and the stops are like every ten minutes. Yeah. So we were at that point, and so he, uh, as soon as the doors opened, he waited to like the last possible second and then ran out. And there wow. were no police there. The conductor did not contact the local police as I asked. And I don't think the conductor believed what I was saying, but yeah. So it's along the line of where I started, where we are all vulnerable. Um, I'm vulnerable, to, you know, I, I can still be vulnerable to a social engineered email. Um, I'm just sitting in the Amtrak going up to New York and yeah, I was vulnerable because I broke my rule. I connected to a public, free public Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't think you're vulnerable. I think I'm vulnerable. But the point is, Evan, like there, there was someone who um, uh, was creative enough to believe that the first class cabin of the Acela going between New York and Washington, D.C. was an area in which they could get valuable information. And it didn't have to be the most sophisticated attack to be devious, right? And, um, you know, you have to have in that level of sophistication. Um, now, I'm glad that you know what Signal is, and, and for all of your listeners, I hope they uh, research it um, 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 because it, it, it is important. It's, it's not it's not very difficult uh, to download. Uh, it's not a sil silver bullet, obviously. It has to be part of a larger security um, uh, stance. But those are the type of things that we'll think about for you, um, and we will offer solutions. The, the solution, obviously, isn't going to go back, hey, you need to use typewriters from now on, right? Uh, that that's not gonna that's not gonna fly. Just do like white scratch marks on the the garbage <laughs> bin next to right. me in the park, and I'm gonna put a piece of paper and a micro microfiche <laughs> underneath yeah. it to pass along we, my state secrets. Yeah, we do not we do not need to get into that level of uh, of tradecraft to help support folks um, who are on the front lines of a lot of industries that might have uh, information that they want to keep confidential or that might be very interesting uh, to others, right? Uh, the, the, the sad thing about it is the proliferation of some of these tools means that they don't always have to be nation states. Now, there's nation states out there. They'll still be interested in what they're going to be interested in. I, I don't think we should discount uh, their, um, you know, um, the fact that they're they're out there and they're trying to get information. But the 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 sad fact of the matter is it's become more and more of a volume play um, with a bunch of of actors. Right? You have criminal organizations that are in uh, countries that that they're, they're basically acting with impunity, right? So practically, that's the world we live in. So what can you do um, to continue to operate a business, operate a campaign, um, and do that at the speed you need to do it while securing yourself, right? Some of this is, some of this is, is, is uh, practical knowledge that, um, um, that isn't very sophisticated. And some of it is, 
you know, really sophisticated, Jerry, Jerry reverse engineering some of this uh, stuff and, and giving you a threat assessment. So the, the good thing is we, we have uh, the ability to go up and down. And the one thing, you know, the key here is all of this is going to evolve. So the things that we're doing today uh, not, aren't necessarily going to secure us in the future. Um, so it, it's, and you need, um, to understand that and not get frustrated by it, but, but understand that, Hey, it's okay, um, to ask someone, uh, for help and it's okay to, you know, you're not being paranoid, um, uh, for securing yourself. I used to, uh, when I was, uh, bringing new people onto the, um, staff secretary's office, I'd be like, listen, if you don't take this information seriously, first of all, there's laws about handling classified information. And then two, anything that you're handling here, if it winds up on the front page of the New York Times, it's bad news. Uh, And just think about how that's going to make you feel versus the inconvenience you might have for doing some simple things to keep them safe. Uh, All right. So I'm going to pose this to both of you because we're getting close to the end of time. Do you have like a couple things, top three things that you can tell to the general public and our listeners, like you got to do these couple things to secure yourself. And if you're not even doing these three things, you are just basically naked. Uh, I'll jump in with, with something here. And that is kind of with COVID, with COVID and the COVID work environment, a lot of a lot of us are working from our homes and that home router the one that your internet provider installed five years ago it's kind of like your water main it's for the but for the internet make sure you've got a fairly new one they'll probably replace it uh so you've got a, a more secure unit compared to five years ago when it might have been installed and then make sure you've got a username and password for it that isn't admin and password. A lot of technicians will just install it and not reset that. Um, you know, they, they want to spend a limited number of time per install, so do their supervisors, but it's a huge vulnerability and that has to, um, you know, everyone needs to just address that. That's a, that's a big one. The, the second thing I would say is for organizations, there's no distinction between hackers make no distinction between your personal and private uh, networks. So you could spend a lot of your budget on installing multi-factor authentication, VMware, you know, having your own devices um, and spend a ton of money securing your professional network. Uh, then when, <laughs> when folks access that, that network or um, use their personal computers at home uh, and they have none of those things turned on, uh, all of that money and effort you spend is for naught, right? Um, so really to think about this holistically. And if some um, employee says, hey, you know, I think there's something wrong on my personal device. Um, uh, would, would you, would you uh, look at it for me? I, we've seen a lot of IT folks be like, no, that's your personal device. I won't run a scan on it. Um, and that's just that mindset is totally uh, will totally lead to uh, multiple failures because uh, Jerry and I really believe in the Goldilocks effect, uh, m- meaning uh, um, employees or members of the organizations who have that pit in their feeling like someone was sitting in my chair or this isn't just right or something's we are in so in tune with our technology, whether that be hardware or software, 
we're a good we're a good sensor at at some points to be like there is something wrong here um and do not do not do not put your head in the sand and just be like oh, i think i'm not going to check this out this seems fine well uh since we've been talking i've been googling caves to go live in uh as well as <laughs> some real estate off the grid um <laughs> the, the um, good, all right. The good news is you don't have to do any of that. Um, if you take a little time to um, secure yourself, remember, a lot of this, most of it, I'd say 95% of it is going to flow like water to the least resistance. So just think of, instead of thinking about a cave, Evan, think about being faster than the slowest gazelle. Like one yeah, step. So like, that's what I look, I have security cameras and an alarm system in my house knowing full well they're essentially meaningless other than someone else's house who doesn't have that's easier to break into. Um, and I'm hoping that the near dwellers just find what you're talking about, you know, downhill, where's the water flowing the easiest, easiest or least path of least resistance is that's where they're going to head. Uh, all right. Well, Jerry, uh, before we go and Ted, before we go, I always like to end TMT time with questions. Uh, Jerry, I know I can't ask you anything because you can tell me nothing. Uh, but I will say, I noticed you have, by my count, seven monitors behind you. Uh, what is that about? Uh, when there are problems happening, um, I do a lot of monitoring and it's just, uh, I can drag and drop to any of the monitors. Uh, you know, the hackers tend to attack on Friday afternoons when we're all thinking about moving on to something else, uh, moving on to the weekend. It allows me to see what's going on and do a lot of tasks all at once. You know, monitors are cheap these days. Um, although I did buy these several years ago when they were a little more expensive. Do but you have it's, like it's multiple really CPUs running each of these things? I've got uh, a, a very big server that is uh, <laughs> uh, running behind it, which allows me, you know, in our job, sometimes seconds matter. And to be able to have a window right in view is important. I'm very glad that there were people like you allegedly at the CIA doing allegedly things relating to technology. So thank you for your, your years of service, Jerry, allegedly may or not have been at the CIA if that's your real name. Ted, I know that's your, your real name because uh, you do appear on the Internet as having worked in the Obama White House. So we can find you, but I assume you're well protected uh, under the Langley Cyber shell if you will uh this has been a super interesting discussion guys i really appreciate it 